this has been an incredibly uh, full week as I, uh, as I think about uh, my ministry with Hockey Ministries. Um, a, a week ago, for those of you who uh, uh, might remember, uh, the young man named Akil Thomas from the Niagara Ice Dogs scored the gold medal uh, winning uh, goal in, uh, uh, in uh, the World Championships. And it was a great moment, uh, but famous, uh, short-lived in some ways, as he returned uh, to um, St. Catharines, only to be traded to Peterborough. Now, uh, I don't want word to get out that I have changed allegiance at all to the Peets, but uh, my support is with him in, in this year. Uh, it's interesting because as I was thinking about the series that we're about to enter into, uh, I remember a story of Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi was a great football coach, maybe one of the greatest coaches of all time, a man of incredible wisdom. His team won numerous uh, uh, National Football League championships and World Championship Super Bowls. But there were times that they were not uh, sort of meeting the grade according to what his expectations were. And oftentimes he would stop and he would take a football out and to a team of professional athletes he would go, this is a football. Now that's not rocket science. And apparently I would think that the majority of those football players, even some of the maybe big dumb linemen, probably recognized, yeah, that's a football coach. But what was his point? His point was that we need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to the basics and in doing so, be able to excel at what's important. To remember what got us here. Now, we're about to enter into a, a series that's going to take us some time. There isn't really any duration. But our brother Al Tudi gave me the sign. It's, a, it's what I had in mind. I called it Route 66. Now, some of you are already flipping back to the days of a TV show, and believe me, it was nothing to do with the TV show. And interesting, because it does have U.S. on there, but let's just make that us. Let's make that us. And uh, maybe we should pray for the U.S. now that you brought it up. Okay, but here we go. So we're going to enter into Route 66. We're going to take our time and we're going to make our way through the scriptures. And so as, as we do, we're going to go from book to book to book. We're not going to spend a lot of time. Some of the books that are smaller might just be a week, but some of the books starting off next week with Genesis, we're going to be there for a few weeks and then in Exodus, and you know, as we make our way through the book. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage you uh, to start reading as you're able. And some of you uh, are, are going to be able to read at a, at a good clip. You know, they're just going to sit down. I'm going to read this book, Genesis. And um, I, as, as your pastor, uh, I would want to pray for you, and I want you to pray for me, that, that daily I'm reading God's Word. And that whether that's a small passage that I'm going to meditate on, or it's a large passage where I just get into, and some of you, some of you are like this. Some of you pick up a book, and you're not, you're not putting it down until your eyes can't stay open. Any any of you here? 
Okay, I'm married. Come on, please, I'm married. You can put your hand up. I mean, uh, Dia gets in the book, and I'm saying, shut the light off, and she watches well, another chapter, just another chapter. But, you know, so you're going to read it at your, at, at, at your pace. But I want us to be thinking about this whole idea of the Bible. Now, we're going to get into a bit of an introduction this morning, uh, but I've got this grab bag up here, and some of you, some of you see the table this morning uh, that's in the corner. How many, how many of you saw the table? Okay. We've got these little books. It's just a little, uh, it's a little miniature handbook, Know Your Bible, all 66 books explained and applied. It just sort of brings some highlights into it. But I want, if, if we can have, uh, if, if you take one per family, it's just something that you can look at. It gives you some insight, certainly when you're looking at it. It's not telling you about the whole, whole, the whole uh, book itself, but it's giving you enough to sort of maybe even whet your appetite. So I'm going to encourage you, uh, one per family. At this time, I, usually I'd say if you want to take one for a friend, but it, let's give it a couple weeks here. I want to make sure all our people get it. We have extras, in, then you can take it. But we know that the Bible, Bibles come in many, many different shapes and sizes, many different translations. And I just took a few out of my own library this morning. Uh, this is not the whole Bible. This is the New Testament that the Gideons uh, gave out when I was in grade five. It was the centennial year, therefore the, the, gold, the gold edition. Uh, how many of you remember receiving a Gideon's Bible? So it's, there's one of the ways that, one of the things that, that I still have in my library uh, that I look back in that particular time when I received this gift. Sometimes we receive Bibles that, that someone has passed down. This Bible here was given to my grandmother when they left uh, Belfast in August of 1953. They set sail for Canada and the church, Newton Arts Baptist Church in Belfast, gave, they gave this to my, my grandmother. At her passing, it was handed to me. And I look at it, and I don't read this one a lot. Some of the pages are sticking. But this one reminds me of the faithfulness of my grandmother. Amen. And so sometimes Bibles just have different meanings to us. Uh, I got this one when I entered Bible college. The Thompson Chain Reference Bible. I mean, this has everything you'd ever want. They actually have directions in the back where you can actually go and see where Noah's Ark actually is. It's, it's all in there. So, my mother, my, again, my mother gave this to me when I, when I entered Bible college, and it certainly did come in handy for a few papers and references. And then there's the toddler's Bible, and this is what I'm going to be teaching from for the next, uh, next couple of years here. I'm not saying we're all slow, but I want to make sure you don't miss anything, Okay. So it's, uh, you know, it's nice, got great pictures, and uh, maybe we'll just pass it around. This was Taylor's. And I remember, uh, I remember when he got this. This is going to turn into an emotional warning. But I remember how proud he was taking this to church. He got it. And so I mean, I just throw a few out of this because Bibles come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. All sorts of different versions. Some that make it easier for us to understand, uh, others maybe more in depth. Uh, I mean, I have a John MacArthur Bible study, uh, Bible, and if, if any, any of you appreciate his ministry, boy, he gets into some great detail in his side notes and everything. All that to say that as we're walking through this, I encourage you to find a version of the, of the scriptures that, uh, that you're comfortable with, and uh, let's journey together through this. As we start this morning, I again am doing one of these things. I think I always vow that I never do. There's certain times when, when you're going to speak or a pastor is going to speak and you start talking about 
a topic like, what does the Bible say about itself? And honestly, trying to do it in one sermon is not, I don't recommend it. I keep doing it, but I don't recommend it. But this morning, I just want us to have a, a bit of insight into what God's word says about itself. And with that, let us pray. Heavenly Father, lead us through your word. Spirit, guide us that our eyes might be open to your truth. And that we not just be uh, hearers and readers of the word, but doers of it. And so we pray this in your name. Amen. One of the things that I've come to recognize that in the day and age that we live in is the Bible is not met with open arms and open hands the way it once was. To think that people could be open-minded and accept God, the Bible as God's word is something that has been uh, sort of waning in years and continues to do so. There are times when we actually become guilty of, of hearing things that people actually say are in the Bible. It reminds me of the story of a college professor who got up in front of his freshman class, his large student body, and as he's speaking there, he said to them, I want to share with you this morning from Second Hesitations 4.3. It says there, there are no internal combustion engines in heaven. And as he said this, he waited to see the heads rise. Most of the kids were just nodding, and then all of a sudden, heads started looking up going, there are no internal combustion engines in heaven. Now, for some of you, Kyle, is that heresy? Let me know. But the, the whole idea was that there are times when, when uh, pe- people say things or can say, oh, yeah, it's in the Bible, and uh, it's not really there. Uh, how many of you remember sword drills? I remember being at a Youth for Christ. I might have shared this before, but uh, I remember there was one, one uh, Saturday night in Toronto, Castle Frank Collegiate Institute on the other side of the Don Valley Parkway in Toronto. Our, gr- our youth group used to go faithfully to these and meet up with youth groups from all over, over Toronto. Hundreds of kids there. And that night they, they said, I need, we need five volunteers. I was out of my seat down the aisle. I didn't know what I was doing, but I thought I'd, I'd, I'd go up. And that surprises you. I get up on stage and they hand us each a new American Standard Bible, okay? And they said, we're going to have a sword drill. And I remember the guy said, sword's ready? And he says, and he gives the verse, John 14, 6. Charge. And somebody says, Jesus. Okay. And Jesus said, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so I remember there was, was all this excitement about doing this. And then all of a sudden, the guy says, and now here's the last one. Whoever gets this one is going to win a prize that we have. And he said, ready? Hezekiah 3.15. Hezekiah 3.15. And we were going through, and we're going, Old Testament, Old Testament, Hezekiah, Hezekiah. And then it's like, and the people are just in, in hysterics laughing, and we're not getting, all of a sudden we're doing this, index, Hezekiah, Hezekiah. And all of a sudden it dawns on us that it's not there. Yeah, we got taken. But I wonder how many times nowadays we, uh, we have things that, uh, that we even say ourselves that we honestly believe are in the Bible. Now, the thing that I'm encouraging to do as we move forward is that, that we would get to know God's word. That we would check out what people are saying. Here is a list of some of the common misconceptions of things that people believe are in the Bible. Now, you can split hairs with this in some way, for those of you who have any. But uh, you know what? Here's, uh, 
Then in Genesis, it talks about the apple in the garden. It talks about the fruit, doesn't it? Now, I'm sure that Apple don't appreciate this right now because can you imagine if they had to change their name to fruit? It just wouldn't be as appealing. But the idea uh, of these things that are in the Bible. How many wise men? We say there are three wise men. Does it say there were three wise men? Okay, now, like again, these might not. How about it was a whale that swallowed Jonah? What's it say? A great fish. How about money is the root of all evil? The love of money, okay. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Okay. God works in mysterious ways. You know, we we use that, but a lot of times we we think this. The one that I've, I've heard over and over again, God will not give you more than you can handle. Okay. God will not give you more than you can handle. It really is referring to temptation. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond... But it does not say. Actually, the whole point of the scripture for me is that life gives us more than we can handle, and that shows my need for God. Okay? One last one. Or maybe I've got a couple here. God helps those who help themselves. Okay? Here's one. We're all God's children. Well, we're all creating God's image. But we only come relationally into a relationship with our fathers as children through Jesus Christ. So I bring these up this morning to think, you know what, let us be, let us be uh, committed to looking into God's word. In the fourth chapter of Hebrews, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. It's no surprise to us that the Bible is the world's best seller. Yet this book, for the past 200 years especially, has been under increased attack. Many people, even within the church, have come to doubt its uh, biblical authority. Is it trustworthy? And so this morning, we again look at this, we look at this scripture. We look at the, the Bible, the printed word of God. And uh, we uh, see the different ways that it has come under attack. I, I remember when we went into Vietnam in 1991 with Samaritan's Purse. And I remember we took 500 Bibles in. We had them wrapped as gifts. And I remember the missionaries, we, they were handed out and we were, there was a, sort of a rendezvous point And we, we took them. And how, uh, you know, to, to, for someone in Vietnam to be caught with a Bible could easily be confiscated. And, you know, even at that time, the persecution that they could face uh, because of, of, of their faith. I think we remember some stories of uh, Brother Andrew and his ministry of taking Bibles behind the Iron Curtain back in those days. And again, there is much persecution that has been brought in line with, uh, with uh, the, the, the physical presence of a Bible. But in today, there's a growing movement to do away with the Bible. We talk about how the Ten Commandments are being removed from, uh, from the courtroom and schools. And actually, it still amazes me that uh, 
and I, I pray that it doesn't happen, but I don't know if any of you have had an opportunity to cross the Rainbow Bridge, and when you look there, it sees the covenant, the covenant between God uh, related to the flood. It's all there in that, in that marble. You wonder how long it's going to be before someone in this day is going to take offense to the fact that that's God's word. And that's happening over and over again. The Bible is talked about as being hate literature nowadays. And yet at the core of its being is it is a document of God's love. All over the world, men hunger to know God. And all these different religions that that are pursuing God. But God has already revealed himself. While man searches, God has revealed himself to us. How has he revealed himself? He's revealed himself to us through his creation. We look at it and we can't help but see the, the qualities of the supreme being of a God who's created all these things. We look at it and we see that God has revealed himself, uh, not just in nature, but he's revealed us in his son, Jesus Christ. We get our knowledge of Christ out of the Bible. Only one or two men contemporary with Christ ever mentioned that he ever lived. Josephus being one, and our total knowledge of Christ comes from the Bible. You know, the Bible was written by uh, 40 writers over a period of 1,600 years in 66 books. And there is a great theme that runs from one end of the Bible to the other, and it is the theme of redemption. And I know there are many different themes. We can talk about the theme of, of God, uh, of God is love, of love. We can talk about the holiness of our God. But when I look at it, there is this, there's this theme of redemption. God's love for the human race and God redeeming man and bringing back to himself after man had rebelled against God. That's what the Bible is all about. When we look at the scriptures, we see that uh, the, the Bible uh, tells us that God created man. That God created man that we might have a relationship with him. Man was disobedient. Sin comes into the world. And for the rest of the Old Testament, we see there's a combination between uh, man's sinfulness, man's attempt to get back to God, and how God faithfully is intervening over and over again. Finally, God says there's one way for for, for this to be uh, made right. And it was through Jesus Christ coming into this world. So we see that there is this theme throughout the scriptures. So through the years, the Bible has been ridiculed, burned, it's been refuted, it's been destroyed, but it continues to live on. And so as a church, we need to be committed uh, to the word of God. It will be questioned, uh, but now is the time for the church uh, to continue to cling to the, to the word of God. Uh, when I was in, uh, a couple, couple things came to my mind when I was uh, thinking about the, the days that we live in. Uh, especially when it relates to, to the Bible. I remember it was in 19, uh, the early 1990s. Uh, Dee and I were living in uh, Orangeville, Ontario, and I was working with Aaron, Aaron Youth for Christ at the time. And I remember the first ministerial meeting that I was at. As I was at this ministerial meeting, I was immediately put on, on, the, uh, on, on the spot. One of the pastors from one of the churches in town said, uh, Mo. I wonder if you could share the gospel with me. Share your idea of conversion. And so quickly I said, certainly. And I said, God created man. Everything was perfect. Man rebelled. 
Man's sin. The relationship with God was broken. Man was separated from God because of his sinfulness. Man could not measure up. He could not make the mark uh, to, to, to be restored and reconciled into that relationship. It could not be healed without the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I sort of walked through the four spiritual laws where Jesus Christ came to be that sacrifice. And as we believe in Jesus Christ, we have the forgiveness of our sins. We were restored into the relationship that he intended. With that, I have the confidence that one day I will see him face to face because I have the confidence of my eternal love, of eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's in a nutshell, okay? And this pastor looked at me and said to me, I struggle with that. And I thought, really? Another pastor said, I can accept that, but he said, for me on a Sunday morning, I can easily just tell a nice warm, fuzzy story. I don't need to get into the word of God. I don't like pointing at other, other denominations, but I read recently of an, a one denomination who has a number of pastors, ministers, that are avowed atheists, that are serving an atheist, one who doesn't believe in God, when I look at the the progression of this, an atheist who doesn't believe in God certainly will not cling to the word of God and you become an atheist, an atheist, an atheistic teaching is going to result in an amoral teaching, no God, no morals, and that's where our society is going. And so for us as the church, the call is that we would be committed to the word of God that we cannot waver on this. That Jesus, that the word of God is truth. Do you believe that? Because it's what's coming under attack. And I just am sort of of tying up a lot of these ends this morning as as we look at at, uh, where we are, and it shouldn't be any surprise because I believe that Jesus gave us plenty of warnings that this this would be the way things are as we approach his coming. So as he's coming back, more and more, the church will be under attack, our faith will be under attack, the word of God will be questioned. But where are we right now? As I was thinking about this, I'm jumping ahead into 2 Kings. 2 Kings tells us the story of Josiah. Let me read it for you. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah. Jedidai, mother, daughter of Adon. Let's, let's say, if I can avoid some of these names just for, uh, for, for prosperity's sake. It says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father and not turning aside to the right or to the left. But here's the incredible thing. This is the time of the divided kingdom. This is a, a, a time when there's 19, 19 kings in the north, 20 in the south. In the north, absolutely none of the kings were good. In the south of the 20, there were nine. Josiah is one of, the, one of the nine that is actually good. So during his reign, we see in verse 8 of chapter 22, that Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gives it to Shaphan who read it, and in turn, this, this, this news, this gets back to King Josiah. Now, the reason I'm pointing at this is, imagine that, imagine that a, a uh, 
a nation of Israel, though it's been divided at this time all over taxes, is in a position where the word of God has been lost. Now, I admit there have been times when I have misplaced my Bible and have not had to really look for it until the following Sunday when I needed it. And so I'm not saying this this morning to, to conjure up any guilt in any way, but I'm looking at a nation that somehow has allowed the law of the Lord, the word of God, to go missing. It's been neglected, hidden from them. And as the church that we are a part of, my encouragement is that this wouldn't be something that would happen here. That it wouldn't be something that would happen in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. That we would be a people that are committed to the word of God. But then I flip over into Galatians chapter 1. And as I look over there, I see these words that Paul is saying to the church in Galatia. Having this relationship, this this time and speaking into, into their lives. He says in verse 6 of chapter 1, I am astonished that you are, you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And so this is, this is the point, the starting point, I think, as we're looking at the scriptures. Jesus Christ is revealed from cover to cover when we, when we read God's word. You can see him in every book. And as, as we see that, we must be clear on who Jesus Christ is. Any other teaching that is contrary to what, to what we believe the Bible is telling us is heresy. It must be avoided. It is not a new gospel. It is a perverted gospel. It's one that's been going, on, going around for years. So as God's people, let us be committed to, to his word, but at the centrality of Jesus Christ throughout the scriptures. We need to be clear on that. So again, as we look at the narrative of the Bible, we see the concept of creation, fall, and redemption. Again, the Bible begins with God creating the world and humanity to form a relationship. He gives rules for over creation. And we'll, we're going to touch a bit of this in, in Genesis in the next couple weeks. Creation is lost because they fell short of the righteousness of God. The Bible as a whole tells, tells the story of how God continually enters into his fallen creation to try to redeem it and bring, bring humanity back to him. Ultimately and eventually, this is accomplished through Jesus Christ coming to earth as a human being, becoming the ultimate sacrifice for the world. Something that we see started in the book of Genesis, and there's that promise that runs through. The prophets continue to talk about it. And Jesus came into this world. We've just celebrated his birth. And then we see that he grows as a man. And this is all part of that narrative that runs through the scripture. That not only did he came here to save us from our sins by the work at Calvary, but with it, there, there is an eternal hope that goes along with it. And that continues through the other books to the end of Revelation. That is what we're looking at in the days ahead. What does the Bible say about itself? Well, quickly, let me share a few things. As I, was, I won't sing it for you, but uh, I certainly came to my mind this, this week when we think about that little jingle, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. 
I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. What does the Bible say about itself? For those ladies that might have had some uh, connection with uh, Pioneer Girls, I believe that this is their key verse. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And as we look at the scriptures, we, they didn't live during the day of these massive flashlights that you could see a mile down the road. It was usually a candle or a little lantern that was lit. The idea was that God provides enough light for the next step you need to take. That's what his word says. It says all scripture, in, in 2 Corinthians 2, 3, uh, 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. What's the word say here? I like the way Rick Warren puts it. Rick Warren says this verse tells us that God's word to the believer teaches us. God shows you the path on which you walk. It rebukes you. It, God shows you when you're off the path. He corrects you. God shows you how to get back on the path and he trains you. God shows you how you can stay on the path. And so we would consider the word of God that it is God breathed that it was inspired by him, that it was a special revelation that was given to mankind through hundreds of years, through a number of uh, 40-some-odd different authors, all sorts of different backgrounds, written in, in I believe, uh, three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. Am I right there, pastors? Uh, but, you know, it's incredible when you, when you look at, uh, at the way that God has knit his word together that over that many years, that many different authors, the different languages, different genres of, of, that we see between, between history books and musical, poetic books, prof, prophetic books, that it does not contradict itself that there is a consistent theme of truth that runs through it from cover to cover. That's what the word of God says about itself. Again, as I read earlier, for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword. Knowing that how deeply a sword can pierce someone, but looking at the power of the word of God and how it can pierce our hearts, how the Holy Spirit will work through his word to speak to us. Paul, Paul again, to, to Tim, in Timothy first, uh, 1 Timothy 4.13, 4, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, and the teaching. Again, that um, as, as believers, both individually and corporately, that we will be committed to reading of God's word, to studying it, to meditating on, to not just hearing it, uh, but also uh, letting it become a part of us. I think someone said we need to get into God's word and we need to let God's word get into us. Francis Chan said, don't fall into the trap of studying the Bible without doing what it says. I think James echoes that in his book. That we just not be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So my brothers and sisters, this morning, this is just a bit of a, um, an outline at, at where we're going. I think there's much more that I could probably try to say. But to say this, that as we're beginning this morning, let's think back to the position of that football. The football that was holding, the great coach, Vince Lombardi, said, this is a football. Let's get back to the basics. And so as, a, as, as your pastor, I ask that you pray for me.
the two of the things that I, that I could get back to the basics and be, and be committed and disciplined in would be my reading of God's word and my talking and walking with him. Prayer in his word. So the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 133, direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. And again, one of the things that I appreciate about the word of God is what it says about itself. Though man may, might oppose it, that man might try to destroy it, and though the, though the, the efforts are, that it would not be recognized at God's word, it is the eternal word of God. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And the words of the prophet Isaiah from chapter 40, verse 8, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. Let us be committed to God's word. Let's walk through the scriptures together. Let's travel along Route 66, knowing that from the beginning to the end, we will see God throughout his word. And when we see God, he reveals to us who we are. And in seeing who we are and who God is, may that be the, 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 the way that God will use his word to make us more like him. Let us pray.